Hey, this is Pastor Jeremy from Awakened Church. I hope you enjoy this week's message. You are um, a graduate, one of our graduates in the room. Um, maybe, maybe you've just been laying in bed at night, just like having trouble sleeping, wondering how things are going to go, wondering even how this day is going to go, or graduation day is going to go, what are you going to do afterwards, just all the different changes and transitions that we go through. Um, for the rest of us that aren't graduates in the room, uh, we've all had those sleepless nights. And um, usually, usually what keeps us up at night is not something eternal. Um, usually it's something very temporal. Shake your head like this. It's true. All right. So usually what keeps us up at night is not something eternal. It's something very temporal. Um, maybe you're wondering how you're going to pay the next bill. Maybe you're wondering about the relationship that you have with your spouse or your children or whatever it may be. What usually keeps us up at night is very temporal. Even our pain is, very, is temporal. Right? But uh, King David... King David, and this is what I felt so strongly about today, and I want this to keep you up at night. I want this to keep you up at night. I want you to be so provoked in your spirit that it keeps you up at night. This is what King David said in Psalms 1, um, 26. Um, wait, is that the right... No, it's 132, I'm sorry. <laughs> I saw a number over here, and I was like, that doesn't look right. Psalms 132, verse 1, starting with verse 1. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Psalms 132, verse 1. It says, Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not... Enter my house or get into my bed. Well, let's go ahead and keep going there. I thank you. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids. This is the whole thing about, I hope this keeps you up at night. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. This was David's cry of his heart. This is what he wanted more than anything as those who were those before him especially King Saul did not regard the presence of the Lord did not regard the things of the Lord and how the 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 presence of the Lord represented by the ark of the covenant had not been in the midst of God's people for many 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 years and David realized that this was not okay he had to find a place for the Lord to dwell in their midst. He had to find a place for the Lord to dwell in their midst. Another thing that he says is this, this is his passion, the burning passion of his heart. He says, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This, this was David, this one thing was what his life was all about. And it really echoes the, 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 the message of Jesus when he says what? Seek first the kingdom of heaven, right? All these other things and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The things that usually keep us up at night, worry what we worry about, these things will be added if we only have this one thing as our priority. 
that I may dwell in his house, that I may find a place for the Lord to dwell. And if we could just spiritualize this a little bit today, if I can find the place for the Lord to dwell in my own heart, in my own life, if I can find the place for him to be at home in me, I will not rest until I know he is at home, he is at rest in me, until I have found a place for him. We'll rest. This one thing I desire. Jesus said this, or he actually quoted this psalm whenever he, uh, in John chapter two, whenever he was clearing the temple. He says, for zeal for your house has consumed me. Zeal for your house has consumed me. And check it out. This, this, looks, this looks tragically different than the, than the church age that we live in. Right? Zeal, for, zeal for the house of God, passion for the house of God, God, jealousy for the house of God, this burning fire for the house of God, for the place of God in our own life, this rarely exists. While we have all these other lesser passions that we seek after so many times. Lesser passion for success, a lesser passion for a place in this world. David had it all, and still he knew this one thing was the most important thing, a place for his God, a place for the one that he knew so intimately, this one thing. Colossians 1, 19 says this, in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was, placed, was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is a passion for Jesus, guys. This is a life lived out only for him. This is a life lived out for one thing and one thing alone, his glory and to see his place in your life fulfilled. In Jesus, all the fullness of God dwells. In the cross is the only passion that we need to cling to. It's the only mission that we need to cling to. It's the only hope that we need to cling to. It's the only success that we need to cling to. It's the only reality that we need to cling to, the cross. If we cling to this, all these other things that keep us up at night will have their place but not until we give the cross its, its rightful place. But it's just so counterintuitive. It's countercultural. Because most of the time we rear our children, we re- culture rears them or <laughs> indoctrinates them to just think of all of the other lesser passions. And if we're lucky, we get one hour on Sunday to say, man, this is what your life's goal should be. This is where everything else emanates from. If you, if you get your gaze on the cross, if you cast, cast your affections above instead of below, everything else will fall into place. But we rarely spend so much time on this. So what do we need to do? It's not that the other things aren't important. I teach a personal stewardship class at, at, at a college and I understand the value of stewarding rightly what we've been given. I understand the value of work and I understand the value of all of these other things. 
but we can only properly understand them in the view of the cross. We can only properly understand them when this one thing starts keeping us up at night (laughs) rather than all of the other lesser things. So what do we need to do? We need to have a church-wide, a family-wide, nationwide for sure. We need to have repentance. We need to repent, guys. And so I'm calling us today back to the very first message of Jesus. When he showed up on the scene, his very first message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He came in on the shoulders of John the Baptist whose very first message, his very message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the very first message that he told his disciples to preach was repent. And this is the only way that this one thing makes sense. Check it out. The only way that living for the one thing makes sense is if we repent. And what does repent mean? It means to change our mind. So check it out. Mark chapter six. We've been going through the gospel of Mark now for quite a while. Everybody say amen. You still with me? All right. So Mark chapter six, here's, here's what we're going to start at verse 13. Mark chapter six, verse 13. He says, actually, this is Philippians. Philippians 13, 14. Never mind. Um, let's see. We'll go back to those. Um, Mark chapter six, verse one. It says, he went away from there and came to his own hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and he went about among the villages. All right, good. And he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, no gardening bag. <laughs> but he said, wear sandals and not, don't put on two tunics, just the shirt you got on your back. This is what you're taking to college, that's it. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, t- shake off the dust that's on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should. All right. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and he healed them. So this was the message that Jesus sent his disciples out with, this message of repentance. And this message of repentance is all over scripture. And I wanna share with you a couple other verses that talk about this message of repentance. But it's a literal change of mind. 
Everybody say that. Say change of mind. Repentance is a change of mind. Now, it's not a change of mind like, um, like usually we change our mind about many different things. You know, like whenever you're going, maybe you want to go out to eat somewhere and you're like, you ask your spouse, you ask whoever you're with, like, where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't, maybe we'll go to Olive Garden. No, 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 no. I don't think I want to go to Olive Garden. Maybe we'll go here. It's not a change of mind like that. It's not a change of mind even in careers because um, most people, most graduates who start out in college studying, wanting to study something, they may start out on one trajectory. A lot of graduates or most graduates could change their major by the time they're done with school, right? It's not even a change of mind like that. This is a change of mind that is rooted and grounded whenever we hear truth. You got that? So we're able to change our mind whenever we hear truth. That's why when Jesus was preaching, he would say, repent, and then people would repent because they heard truth, This is what the gospel is supposed to do to us. It enables us to do something we can't do otherwise. It's the the anointing upon the word that enables us to change our mind and live the way that God wants us to live. But I can't repent in my own strength. My will doesn't know what to conform with until I hear the perfect will of God. And when I hear the perfect will of God, then I'm able to respond to that, repent, and get my will into an alignment with his will. Does that make, does that make any sense? There's no way I can, I can conform my will to his will unless I hear the truth and respond to the truth. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow produces repentance. Acts 3.19, the, the, the message of the apostles, repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Romans 2.4, God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. Luke 5.32, Jesus calls sinner to repentance, not the righteous. Luke 24.46-48, our message is to take to the nations a message of repentance. <laughs> Mark 1.15 was Jesus' first message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 6 would tell us that we don't, we're not to lay again a foundation of repentance. We need to go, go from the, uh, the elementary teachings. The problem is with that, though, is that I feel like we, we haven't really mastered the elementary teachings to go on from repentance because our mind hasn't been changed to, to align with the will of God in many time, many, at many points. And so we have to revisit this truth of repentance and changing our mind. Um, graduates in the room, this is not something you just do once, one time and it's over. Repentance is a, is a state of being. It's something that we do and we continually live in and it's something that we have to do again and again and again. It's, it's why Jesus' message in the, in the book of Revelation chapter two to the church at Ephesus, listen, everybody listening? 
So the church of Ephesus, his, 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 his message was to repent and do the first works again. Why? Because they had left their first love like Jasmine was singing about. It's something that we need to be called back to as a church whenever our mind is perhaps being changed in other directions or being driven in other directions. We have to repent and allow our mind to be changed for our will to again to be conformed to his will. Does that make any sense? This is what's going to change the nations. This is what we hope for for our youth to be able to do, to make any sort of change in this culture, it's not gonna be because they're the best in their field, it's gonna be because they have a heart that follows hard after God. And that their mind has been changed, they're living in a state of repentance, focused on him, not worried about all the lesser pleasures, not worried about all the lesser things, and they're a witness to see how God moves in all those lesser things if their mind can just stay focused on what it's supposed to stay focused on. The reality of it is this, is that you don't have to pull and tug and, and, and make yourself climb a corporate ladder whenever Jesus is, your, is the one that you're focused on. He will give you the platform. <laughs> he, will, he will elevate you. He will make you stand out in a crowd. If, you are, if, you're, if your affection is centered on him, if he is your one thing, he'll give you things you didn't deserve. He'll give you places you never thought of, but because he wants to see you succeed, but only on his terms. Amen. Only on his terms. I just feel this so deep within my spirit today that this has to be our cry, this has to be the way we parent. It has to be the way we teach. And you're like, man, I don't know what happens in your household. Probably just sit around and stare at the cross all day. Is that what all you guys do? <laughs> no, it's not all we do. We're a regular family. We have to repent. <laughs> I repented just this week of being irritable. I repent of the thought I just had about you, Craig, right now, I'm just kidding. But this is, this, is, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. Now, check it out. So Mark chapter six, this is, so, so we started at the end of the verses we read in chapter six, Mark six. This was the message Jesus charged his disciples to take. This message of repentance. But in the beginning of the chapter, he's, it says that Jesus came into his own hometown and, it, and, and those first set of verses says that his hometown didn't receive him. The people just looked in his hometown like, hey, isn't this the carpenter's son? I think he, just, he was working on my table and my chairs earlier in the year and now he's healing people. He's raising the dead. He's casting out demons. Isn't this... The carpenter's son? Is this Joseph's son? And I found, that, I found it interesting is that, that the word for hometown in the original Greek is this word um, that can mean a label, right? It's this word label that they had labeled Jesus just the hometown boy. And so since he was labeled the hometown boy, he could do nothing greater in that town except it says just, he just laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, right? I'll take that too, by the way. Right. However, I wonder what type of labels that 
that we've put on Jesus that we need to repent of today that, that would limit him from doing what he truly wants to do in our life? What type of labels have we put on Jesus that, that, that tend to limit him from doing what he may truly want to do in and through us, in our lives, and, 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 and through our lives? Like maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you've labeled him as, 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 just, um, as just someone that, that maybe you make a one-time commitment to and, and now you're good, you got your fire insurance, but, but there's, nothing, um, there's nothing that goes beyond that. You don't expect him to heal anybody. You don't expect him to lead you into your future. You don't expect him to do, um, do what you read about in the Bible. I, what I wanna challenge us to do is to repent of these labels that we put upon him and to truly see him as he is. Like Jeremy, sure, he led you in your life and he, he's leading your family in your, in your life, but you don't understand what we've been through. You don't understand what's happened to our family. You don't understand like all the different conditions. And, and so what happens is we label him and when we label him, we put limits upon him and so that he's not truly free to do all that he wants to do because we're not fully persuaded in our heart that he can. Because with that word unbelief means that they were not divinely persuaded in their heart that he could do what he came to do in their own hometown. What kind of Jesus have you dumbed down in your life to think that he can't come through, that he can't use you, that he still can't, can't do what he wants to do? See, I want, I want to just free you today to take all the limits off of Jesus. Even if you've never seen him raise the dead, if you've never seen him heal the sick, if you've never seen him totally lead somebody by their life and in their life, if you've never seen him truly set someone on fire with passion for him that goes all out for him, he is still the one that lights fires. Even if none of your peers have a fire that's lit for Jesus, he is still the one that lights fires. He is still the one that's worthy of laying your whole life down. If you've never even, if you've never been, um, been friends with a missionary, you've never had a, had a, had a, a, a like a, you've never been among a missionary or been close to a missionary. I know what I'm trying to say. But anyways, he can, what I want you to know is that he can still call you to be a missionary. You've got to go beyond the labels that you've put upon him in your own mind that he is still the limitless God. As Barry was talking about a second ago, or a little bit ago, maybe you've never experienced forgiveness. You don't know what that looks like in your family. You don't know what that looks like in your own heart. He is still the God that forgives. And I, my prayer is that you're divinely persuaded today that he is a God, of, God who forgives that he's a God who loves. If you've never felt the love of God, if all you've, all you've heard all your whole life is religion, take the label off, allow him. He's the one that does it. He's the one that is able to strip the label off so that you can fully experience his love. Does that make any sense? Take the limit off. We who are getting older in the church, isn't it, our, isn't it our desire that the next generation goes further, does more, and is more on fire than we ever were for Jesus? So take the limits off. Go further than what you see from me. Amen? Go further than what you see from the adults. You have some great adults. You have some great mentors in this room. But go further because he is worth it. He is worth you going all out for.
You've got to change your mind. You've got to change your mind. When Jesus sent his disciples out, he sent them out not carrying too much, right? They didn't, they didn't take a lot with them. They just took a few things in this instance. Later on, he would tell them, go ahead and take two things. But in this instance, he said, you know, just take one of, one of this and none of that and one of this. The challenge is for us to only take what he wants us to take with us in this journey. Does that make sense? The challenge is for us to only carry with us what he wants us to carry. At the end of this chapter, Jazz, if you could go to the keys for me, please. At the end of this chapter, or in the, in the end of the verses we read, he said, he said, when you enter into a place and they receive you, this is my paraphrase. When you enter into a place and they receive you, you know, uh, great, stay there. If they don't receive you, go ahead and, and dust the feet, dust the, shake the dust off your feet. And what that was meaning was back in those days, like whenever Jews would enter a Gentile region to come back and come back into the Jewish uh, nation, they would actually like shake the dust from their sandals because they couldn't even bring dust from a Gentile land into the land of Egypt or into the land of Israel because of the defilement of even, of even Gentile dust. Shake the dust off your feet, he tells them as a testimony against them that they're just like a Gentile. Here's the problem. That's the historical context. The spiritual context for us is that throughout our journey, we limit God. One of the ways we limit God in our own thinking, in our own life is because we carry so much with us. We, all right, so check it out. When I was growing up, I think mom and dad are watching back in West Virginia. <laughs> um, mom had white carpet, white carpet. Mom was an exquisite housekeeper. I would get home from school and the rule was, Jeremy, no friends in the house when nobody's home. So you know, Jeremy did exactly what mom told me to do. Why are you smiling, Anthony? You don't think so? I, I didn't. I didn't. I wish I would have. I repented. I told mom and dad I was sorry. But mom always knew if there were any tracks in the carpet. Like literally, she knew by the footprints in the carpet who had been in the house. That, I couldn't get anything by. Nothing, I couldn't get anything by on her. Here's what happens in our life is Jesus says, shake the dust off your feet. But so much of the time, and, and I would tell my friends like, guys, take off your shoes. The problem with teenage boys is that even their socks are dirty sometimes. <laughs> so, so, so I was like, guys, take off your shoes. We don't want mom to know, you know, you're coming in the house. So they take off their shoes and their socks are there. And I'm like, oh, now you got, now you're like, how are your feet so heavy? Now you got tracks there. <laughs> he warns us about not taking things with us that he doesn't want us to take with us. So on our journey, so much of the time we take 
the junk from the past, the things that we should have shaken off, let go of, the things that we should have brought to the cross a long time ago, ask for forgiveness for, talk to whoever we needed to talk to and ask them to forgive us. Or maybe it's the hurts, the, 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 the disappointments, whatever it is, but we, we take these things on our journey. And so if you could imagine just this, what if, what if this, we had a, like a white paper just, just draped across the front here and, and our footprints, like we just stepped in some mud over here and just our footprints are all over. You can see our footprints because of all that we're carrying with us. All the junk from our life, we're trying to follow Jesus and yet we're carrying all this stuff with us. He didn't say to carry all that, did he? He didn't say to carry all that. He said to shake it off. Well, you, Jeremy, you, that sounds real easy because, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know, you've never been there like I have. And you're right, I haven't. But right now is a holy moment for you to go there and for you to let go of whatever it is that is you're tracking everywhere. Well, that's good preaching, Jeremy. I know it is. Let it go. But here's the thing. You can't do it on your own strength. It only comes as you hear truth. And only under the anointing, the presence of God, can you truly stop tracking all of this stuff through your life. Listen. How many of you know there's, there's enough stuff that has the potential to weigh you down as you go through life, right? So, so as Paul said, thank you, Lord. As Paul said in Philippians 3, I forget what's behind me. And I'm pressing toward the high mark of the calling in Christ Jesus. I'm, in other words, I am straining with all of my might towards the cross. I need a couple, I need all, all the teenage boys back here. Come, come, come. Tay, Trey, Tristan, come. All right. Uh, Logan, stand up. Come over here. Come over here, guys. Come, hurry, 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 hurry. All right. Yeah, come on over. No, no. All right, so check it out, guys. I want you, now you can, you can, you can in real life stop me, but I want you to, Josiah, come over here. Yeah, come on over. It is such a hard strain sometimes to keep going forward. Here's what I want you to do, guys. Just, just grab a hold of my arms somehow. Just, I'm headed towards the cross. I got my eyes on Jesus, but I just want you to prevent me, right? I'm going to start walking, and I just need you to stop me. I just need you to stop me. Okay, yeah, you can really do this. Well, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. But it's such a hard strain. And that's why Paul's talking about in Philippians 3, with everything that's in me, I gotta strain. I gotta, so here it is, guys. Come on, come on, hold on to me again. Hold on to me. All right. So there's people that are gonna cause us, cause us to, to strain even harder. There's gonna be people that we have to forgive. And so when I point at you, you gotta let me go. I forgive you, Trey. Let me go. 
Let me go. All right. <laughs> Tristan, you disappointed me. I'm, this isn't true, right? But, but I forgive you. I forgive you. There was this that happened back in my life, but I, but, I, but, I, but I brought that to the Lord in prayer, and now that's let me go. Let it go. Let me go. I had this happen to me that was unfair, that wasn't God's will, but I brought it to him, and he's forgot. He's, he, he, I, I let that go, and then this other thing happened to me back here, and they let me go, and then finally there's one thing, there's one thing that's, that, just, that, that I'm having to strain with all my might against, but I, pr- I finally brought it to the Lord, and he's let me go, and so now I can strain, and I can go with all of my might towards him and this is what it looks like check it out as we're straining and as the Lord brings these things to mind we have to let it go because he's worth it this one thing if I ask and that will I seek after if that isn't your passion all these other things are going to keep you up at night and you're not going to have any peace in your life but if one thing is your passion to let him have first place all of these other things will be added and you'll be like, bro, you mean all this was available there and I was letting all of that keep me from it. Oh, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's going to be hard. People won't like you for your testimony in Jesus, about Jesus. They won't like you. But you got to learn only in his presence to stop tracking all this stuff around and let it go. Does that make sense? Stand with me if you're able to stand today. First thing in the, is, is if you're in the room today, just bow your heads with me, close your eyes. If you're in the room today and you would just say, Jeremy, I don't even know this Jesus. I've been talking so passionately about, passionately about him, but I don't know him. I didn't know that he loved me so much. But I would like to know him. Just lift your hand. Anybody in the room? I don't know this Jesus, but I would like to know him. The next invitation is for those of us in the room who just know that we need to repent today. Sing that softly, jazz like oil upon your feet. Those of us who know we just need to repent, we need to change our thinking. Just let this moment be a moment where you pour out to him. Just raise your hand, Lord. I know I need to repent. I know my thinking needs changed. I need to let people go. I need to forgive. I, I got to stop tracking this stuff through my life. It's ruining me. I lay down depression. I, only right now, only right now, this is a holy moment, guys. This is where revival starts when the people of God begin repenting. Just tell them, tell them what you've been tracking and you don't want to anymore. Shake it off. I need you to shake it off. You've been tracking, some of us have been tracking sin through our life. Lying and cheating and using people and 
Repent of it. Change your mind. Godly sorrow works repentance, but it's not just the goal to have you cry a few tears. The goal is for there to be a changed mind. This is where it happens. Thank you, Lord. It's your kindness, Jesus. A few more moments. Pour it out to him. Pour it out to him. Turn Jazz's mic up, please, Jeff. is like perfume I lavish mine on you till every drop is gone yes Lord we give it all to you we give it all to you we refuse to carry more than you want us to carry right we refuse to carry more than you want us to carry we refuse to carry more than you want us to carry, want us to carry. yeah we refuse to carry it I'm not carrying it anymore. I'm not carrying it. Every drop is gone. I'll pour my love like oil upon your feet. Like wine for you to drink. Like water from my heart. I'll pour my love on you. Praises like perfume, I'll lavish mine on you, till every drop is gone, I'll pour my love on you, on you, on you, sing that out, on you, it's very simple, on you. On you, every voice. On you, on you. One more time, we're gonna sing that out to him. On you, all our love. On you, on you. Like all upon your feet wine for you to drink like water from my heart I'll pour my love on you if praise is like perfume I'll lavish mine on you till every drop is gone I'll pour my love How about praising the Lord today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about praising Him today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for our graduates. Thank you we get to celebrate with some food, right? Thank you that we get to be together. Hey, check it out. This, only God could do this. Only God could bring so many people together from so many different backgrounds in one room to offer praise to Him. Only God could do it. Amen? Oh, man, we, we should be just flabbergasted. That's the word today. Just let it flabbergast you. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure you like and share the podcast. And if you're ever in the Highlands County area, uh, make sure you stop by and visit us. Uh, We're located at 1121 uh, Memorial Drive in Avon Park, Florida. Uh, We'd love to meet you here.